0: you know, necessarily realize, I think a lot of us think that our glucose levels is really just about what we eat. And, you know, you mentioned the walking thing, like it's, it's amazing how, you know, just taking a quick walk after meals can do so much for bringing our our glucose levels down. And we really try and bring that holistic perspective into the product, you know, how can managing our stress, how can getting better sleep, how can moving and walking, how can changing our meal times? how can all of these things impact the ultimate readout of, of glucose? So I'm glad to hear he's been enjoying those, those product features so far.
1: We often hear that you are what you eat, but in this episode with Dr. Casey Means, co-founder of Levels Health we learn how your nutrition may be the most important key to achieving optimal health. Casey kicked off her career in medicine being a head and neck surgeon and is now the co-founder of a digital health company that combines glucose monitors with intelligent software that helps you track and understand your data. She is passionate about educating her audience about the benefits of preventive healthcare and how tracking your glucose levels throughout the day can help you achieve metabolic optimization and live a longer and healthier life. She also shares helpful tips on how she approaches time management and leads a balanced life. Coming up, you'll hear how Casey discovered the gap in the health service of the immune system. How Levels has enabled Casey to reach more patients than she ever could as a surgeon. Her productivity tips for running your company remotely. How Casey's company raised $12 million from its first seed round. Why you should seek feedback and advice from your investors. Why only 12% of the US population have a healthy metabolic function and what we can do to fix this. Why we should be concerned with the behavior of our metabolism. And finally, Casey, I am so excited to have a conversation with you today. We were introduced through a mutual entreprenista, Alexandra, who was on the podcast several months ago, and I am so glad that she connected us because you have quite the story and journey to share. So thank you so much for being here. Thank you so much for having me, Stephanie. Casey, you trained initially as a head and neck surgeon prior to launching this new business Levels. Can you share a little more about your background and how that led you to start this company?
0: Yeah. Yeah. It has been a very interesting journey to digital health and, um, and prevention medicine by way of surgery. So yeah, so I started out as a head and neck surgery resident and That is essentially treating surgically the conditions of the ear, nose, and throat. So you can think of things like sinusitis and ear infections, vocal cord polyps, Hashimoto's thyroiditis, even head and neck cancers and skin cancers of the head and neck and things like that. And I was about four and a half years into my training as a head and neck surgeon and realizing that so many of the conditions I was seeing were inflammatory in nature, so all of them were, you know, ended in itis, which is the the suffix that usually means inflammatory. So sinusitis, thyroiditis, and it kind of got me thinking, you know, why why are so many of these patients chronically inflamed? Why are we seeing so many health conditions in ENT, but also more broadly in, in our, in our healthcare, in healthcare in general that are inflammatory in nature? We're learning more and more that conditions like diabetes, obesity, heart disease, Alzheimer's, a lot of these involve upregulation of the immune system. And it got me really scratching my head thinking, first of all, why are people so chronically inflamed? And why are we approaching this with surgery if this is fundamentally something that's happening with the immune system, which is not really something you can surgically intervene on. Certainly you can suck out pus out of a sinus, but you, you, that's not necessarily doing anything for the underlying chronic inflammation. And so this really led me on this journey towards like, what are the key drivers of chronic inflammation? And it really comes down to exposures, things that our body sees that, that it sees as a threat. And these things can be really anything that our body's exposed to. So foods, um, a lot of the processed, you know, heavily refined foods we're eating these days kind of look foreign to our bodies and it can signal the immune system to rev up, processed sugars, processed grains, pesticides, other preservatives that are put in foods. And then of course, you know, toxins in our food, water, and air. Chronic stress is an inflammatory signal to the body. Sleep deprivation can cause the body to become inflamed. Even sedentariness, so not moving a lot, the body doesn't like that, and it can be signaled as a threat. And you just remind—I need to stand up right now and do my do my stretch, <laughs> squats mid-episode. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> but it was really kind of fascinating to step back after really being so entrenched in surgery and think, what could we possibly be doing with patients to really counsel them on this and help them build, you know, a life, a set of lifestyle behaviors and nutritional behaviors that. Ultimately, keep this threat signal in their body down. What that could that do for these ENT conditions, and then more broadly for the chronic health conditions that we're seeing just rising at astronomical rates. And so, ultimately, this journey actually really led me towards moving away from surgery. I became really laser focused on how do we actually keep keep people out of the operating room. There's a lot of wonderful surgeons out there, but there's not a lot of MDs who are specifically focusing on how do we keep people super healthy at scale and scaling, you know, really is the piece that got me moving towards digital health because, you know, I can have a conversation with a patient one-on-one and dive really into their diet, really dive super deeply into their diet and lifestyles and help create a comprehensive plan for them that helps move them in the right direction but you know that's that's a one-on-one conversation and that is while it's really valuable it's not scalable i can maybe do 20 30 40 of those a week to do it well you have to spend a lot of time our system isn't really built for that and you know, really to help someone move in the right direction. What I wanted was to be on someone's shoulder 24 hours a day saying like, Oh, you know, now's a good time to walk. Now's a good time to stretch. You should probably go to bed now. Like don't eat that refined processed sugar cookie, like all like help with all these hundreds of micro, you know, decisions throughout the day. And so that really pushed me to thinking like, how can we scale behavior change modalities? Because, we have to change behavior to change the conditions in the body that generate good health. And so really digital health was an exciting avenue to explore there. We, we have our phones on us. We have our computers with us all the time, literally 24 hours a day. It's usually within a few feet of us. So how can we leverage this to motivate the sustainable behavior change that we need to be healthy in a big way? And and so, so that's where I'm at now. And that's kind of the journey for me from in the OR to working with amazing software engineers and entrepreneurs to, building, to build tools that empower individuals to make uh, the choices we have to make to be, to be healthy.
1: Can you share in layman's terms exactly what Levels is? So for our listeners who have not heard of your product before, what is it? How does it work? And then I have so many more questions for you about how you launch this. Absolutely. So, Levels is bringing
0: bio wearables to the mainstream. So, what we are is we are a company that pairs continuous glucose monitors, which are a wearable sensor that is actually monitoring an internal biomarker, glucose, 24 hours a day, and pairing that with intelligent software that helps you interpret that continuous data stream and understand what it means and why it is the way it is, and then help you optimize it. So, fundamentally our mission is to enable metabolic awareness and then metabolic optimization in our customers and you know metabolism is really foundational to our health and to all all aspects of our health and it really ties back to what we were talking about in the beginning because so much of chronic inflammation is actually driven by metabolic dysfunction and really the key substrate of metabolism is is glucose so just kind of backing up, like what metabolism is, is it's how we generate energy in our bodies from substrates like glucose and fat. And if our metabolism is running smoothly, we have good energy, we have clear mind, we have good memory, we have good athletic performance, we're feeling good, we're thriving. And, you know, and right now we have virtually no insight into that in our bodies. We might have a yearly physical where we get, you know, a fasting glucose check or a cholesterol check, or, you know, we can weigh ourselves each morning and get a sense of whether we're kind of storing fat or not, but we just don't have any way to track it in, in real time. And, and these days that's, that's really what we want. We've got our wearables for sleep. We've got our wearables for fitness. We even have now wearables for stress with HRV monitoring, but we've never had a wearable for nutrition and for understanding whether the foods we're eating and the things we're doing each day are are affecting our metabolism in a positive or a negative way. And so now we can finally measure that. And we're leveraging this amazing technology, continuous glucose monitors to to really bring it to all as the first nutrition bio-wearable.
1: That is so amazing. Can you share more about how this idea actually came to be and how you met and connected with your co-founders and made it a reality?
0: Yeah, absolutely. So, you know, a lot of the passion for me came from kind of what we were talking about earlier with the idea of scaling innovative solutions in healthcare. I was sitting there in my practice, you know, knowing that I wanted to spend really hours with each patient, helping them understand all aspects of their diet and lifestyle. And I just, you know, wanted to be there for them to really coach them through every one of those decisions we make every single day that ultimately generate our health. And you just can't do that. And so how could we merge that knowledge and that specialized knowledge with you know, some sort of other innovative solution to really get this to people, but have the individuals driving their own behavior change? Like how can we educate and empower people with their own personal data to actually make the decisions we have to make every single day and be inspired to make them and make them sustainably that are going to generate the conditions in the body that, that lead to health. And so that was really what, what inspired me, I would say. And to me, metabolic health was just the thing we had to focus on and start with for a few reasons. So One is that we're fortunate that this technology, the hardware for glucose monitoring already existed. And so this is sort of an interesting part of the story, which is that, you know, you are looking at the landscape. Should we create a hardware? Should we, you know, develop a, a new type of tracking tool to inspire behavior change, like a new Fitbit or something like that, but, but more focused on metabolism. And that's a really, that's a long process. And it's, it's, a, it's a great process, but the reality is there's already a technology out there, the CGMs. The thing is, these were only being used in diabetic populations. So, these are FDA approved wearable devices that you just stick on the back of your arm. I have mine on right now, but they're only being used as a treatment tool for really medication management in diabetic populations. But given what we know now about the fact that, you know, type 2 diabetes is a largely preventable condition and really actually getting on top of our glucose levels far, far earlier in our lifetimes and keeping them stable early on can not only help us ward off disease in the future, but can actually uplevel all aspects of our lives now, really the thought was, okay, let's take this existing hardware, expand the market, and then build a software overlay that's going to make it as useful as possible to people. So that's kind of what drove the, the vision of the company. And I was so fortunate to Really serendipitously meet my co-founders, and I have four co-founders, and they are all just like highly technical bunch. We have the person who really was the the force behind the starting the company was Josh Clemente, who's an aerospace engineer, actually, who was at SpaceX for many years, and he was a CrossFit instructor while he was also at SpaceX, super like fit, you know, wow. ripped guy, <laughs> and he had learned about CGMs. And, and learn about how monitoring glucose was important for actually fitness endurance. So he started actually pricking his finger a bunch and saw that his glucose was actually really high, even though he was super fit. And he was like, Oh, that's curious. I thought I was like, so healthy. Cause I look great. And you know, I'm got muscles and all this stuff. And But he ended up becoming obsessed with checking his glucose because he's like, this is not normal. This is too high. And ended up pricking his finger like 50 times a day at points. And essentially was creating his own continuous glucose monitor. And he then asked his primary care doctor to give him one. And the doctor said, no, you're not diabetic. I'm not giving you a CGM. And he said, but but I need to fix this now. I don't want to become diabetic. And so he ended up actually... A friend of his who was a res- surgical resident prescribed him one and he put it on. And he realized he was essentially in the pre diabetic range and worked to optimize it. And then that was sort of his journey. And so, anyways, we got connected oddly through my brother. Um, so, and this was kind of a, a fun, serendipitous link up, which is that I was thinking a lot about this behavior change stuff in my own practice. And I was so interested in solving this issue that I'd actually put together my own little pitch deck just to really prototype my ideas of how I thought we could use digital health and lab data to really be a bio- biofeedback tool for patients for behavior change. I put together this little pitch deck for myself and I shared it around with my family and I got and some close friends and said like, what do you guys think about this? Is this interesting? And and my brother had seen this and then he was at an event and he's a founder of a company in Silicon Valley and, and actually overheard some people talking about this continuous glucose monitoring idea and just kind of turned around and was like you guys have to meet my sister she's talking about this exact same stuff and so we actually i had a phone call with Josh and it was just we were just you know fireworks are going off intellectually we were just really excited about the other's vision it was thinking about a lot of the same things and then i flew down to the bay area met with the the team and, you know, kind of joined forces initially as a consultant and then as a co-founder. And so to me, that whole experience of meeting my co-founders was such a testament to how important it is to, you know, be stepping back in your career and reflecting on, you know, what are the pain points? How can you make things more efficient? And then putting it down on paper and sharing it, you know, you've got to put your ideas down and, you know, share them with your close network and, and put yourself out there for opportunities like this, I think to emerge. And so that was really a big takeaway for me in in terms of just personal development of, you know, this was, this was a result of me kind of taking that risk and then really beautiful things came from it.
2: I'd love to know how long was the product development phase? Yeah, so I would
0: say we're actually still in the product development phase. We are we're we're pre-launch at this point and we're still in a closed beta program. So, we came together in summer of last year around August, so we have been around for about just over a year and we started testing our beta version of the app that is paired with the continuous glucose monitor in about January. And we had about a thousand customers go through that, go through the month long levels program, which is, which is what we offer right now. And so just to, to step back. So when you become a levels customer, you get access to a physician consultation for these prescription only continuous glucose monitor devices. And then if you're approved for a prescription, you're sent two continuous glucose monitors, which each lasts 14 days on the arm. So that's a month worth of sensors and then access to the software. So that's the program, the metabolic awareness program that we offer. So we've had about a 1,000 customers go through that program. And which each, which with each of them, they go through midpoint calls, final calls. We are getting so much data and information from them about how to, how to improve the product and just make it perfect for them. And we've actually put out about 400 versions of our app by now within this year and just iterated rapidly on it. And so, so that's really been the, the product development process led by one of my co-founders, David Flinner. Who is a former senior Google product manager, and that's been just really fun to see how dynamic and and rapid it is. And then, in conjunction with that, we've built out a telemedicine physician network, which is who we send our customers to to be evaluated for the CGMs. We have a fulfillment portion of our business, which is a pharmacy that sends you know the product to customers. Of course, the packaging and adhesive covers that go over the sensor that are branded, and then so that's sort of all part of the product
1: experience. Coming up. You'll hear which communities have already been drawn to levels and how Casey manages to communicate and work efficiently with four co-founders.
2: When you are ready to hire, who are your first key hires? So
0: our first key hire was Mike DiDonato, who is our head of customer success. And I think this was such a critical higher for us for us because it it really we are a product company who is building the product that is going to help our customers and we wanted to hear you know, every piece of feedback from our customers and make it just an absolutely beautiful experience for them from the beginning. And Mike is who makes that process completely seamless. And, you know, at the beginning, a lot of this was very hyper-manual. And what what has really been the trajectory of the past year is how do we take these hyper-manual customer-facing processes that Mike does so well and actually automate them? And so Mike has just been, you know, basically just the jack of all trades and making the customer experience great. But as we've grown and as we've expanded our team more with operational capacity and more engineers, we've been able to take those pieces that we learned from, from what the customers needed from Mike and actually build them into the product. So so that was really so key. And, and just at the end of the day, like we are building something that we want to delight our customers and also just really achieve our mission, which is to help people gain metabolic optimization. And so he's He's just been absolutely integral in being the interface between the customer and then our, our further product development.
1: I have to share. So when we first connected, when was that two months ago now, three months ago? I shared that my husband is on his you know health and weight loss journey right now, and you offered to allow him to be part of the beta test program, and he has absolutely loved his experience getting to test this product and has learned so much about how his body has been has been processing foods you know he's getting alerts you know realizing that maybe he should go for a walk before he eats something or a certain food that he thought was you know really great for him is actually really spiking his blood sugar levels so and then he's been on the phone with your team sharing feedback based on his experience so i've gotten to see this firsthand which has been and super exciting. That's
0: so great to hear and really highlights, you know, I think some of the nuances of, of glucose monitoring that I don't think people, you know, necessarily realize. I think a lot of us think that our glucose levels is really just about what we eat. And, you know, you mentioned the walking thing, like it's, it's amazing how, you know, just taking a quick walk after meals can do so much for bringing our, our glucose levels down. And we really try and bring that holistic perspective into the product, you know, how can managing our stress? How can getting better sleep? How can moving and walking? How can changing our meal times? How can all of these things impact the ultimate readout of of glucose? So I'm glad to hear he's been enjoying those
2: those product features so far. How were you able to get your I guess your initial testers for the product outside of Stephanie's husband? <laughs>
1: <laughs> there was already a long wait list. <laughs>
0: Yeah. So, so yeah, currently we're at a 40,000 person wait list. Yeah. 8,000 in amazing. October, so far, so it's been it's been amazing, and we initially a lot of the people we brought on were, of course, like in our network. It was people who who knew about our vision and wanted to be a part of the early testing. So, you know, a lot of the Silicon Valley entrepreneurs and biohacker types and fitness enthusiasts and whatnot, and and then you know things just really started kind of taking off on their own, and I think a lot of it had to do with social media. So, right up your guys' alley. It, there was there is really an amazing element of shareability to glucose data because it's it's visually appealing it's graph you know based and score based and and it's also there are so many surprises and you know we walk around our whole lives sort of trying to figure out what the right diet for us is and going on all these different diets and trial and error. And I don't think very many of us can just say like, oh, I know that this type of eating plan is perfect for my body. Or I know that this breakfast is optimal for me, but now for the first time ever, people are using this product and they can say, oh, I actually know that oatmeal is a terrible breakfast choice for me and I'm not going to eat it again. So of course they want to share that they've been, you know, it's fun to kind of like be like, oh my God, you guys, you know, oatmeal shot me up into pre-diabetic levels. Like I can't eat this anymore. Or I'm going to pair I mean, tomorrow. I'm going to try it with a bunch of, you know, fiber and fat and nuts and chia seeds and see if it has any difference. So it really lends itself to some amazing sharing. And And so that really helped us gain more waitlist customers. And then I think there were just some other segments of the population who have really been desperate for this type of technology who came out of the woodwork when they they heard that this was sort of starting to happen. And so I think the segments that are most notable are cuz cuz you know the, the longevity enthusiasts and the biohackers and the tech people like they you know all that was pretty in our network and easy sell but then there were these other segments that were so interesting so one was the fitness community we got outreach from well over 10 pro sports teams in the first couple months who have really wanted to understand glucose for performance fueling and recovery for athletes and these teams i've been amazed they have these really brilliant nutrition scientists who work on these pro teams now who are out there looking at what types of new technologies are out there and how they can potentially work to improve performance and then the second community is the weight loss community there's been a lot of interesting books that have come out over the last several years notably Jason Fung's The Obesity Code, The Diabetes Code, Mark Hyman's Blood Sugar Solution, Ben Bickman's Why We Get Sick. And these talk really deep in detail about how weight loss is not just about this calorie in, calorie out model, but it's actually hormonal. If we keep our glucose high, it means that we're keeping our insulin high and insulin blocks fat burning. And so to really unlock the power of fat burning, you've got to get insulin down, which means you've got to get glucose down. But of course, these are hard things to measure. So so that community who's been following these types of authors was just all over it. Like I want a glucose monitor. I want to track it. I want to bring it down. and I want to, and, and so we ran a few small pilots early on with people in the weight loss community and saw some really incredible incredible results with that so so that was kind of some of the groups that were like the early the early evangelists and then I'd say the third is the keto community these are people who are low carb adoptive type people they they eat a very very low carb diet and to be able and they're tracking their ketones usually with a blood finger prick but to be able to actually see your glucose levels and keep your glucose down that's essentially you know you can assume that if you're keeping your glucose levels low and stable you're going to be generating ketones which is a product of fat burn Burning. So you keep the glucose low, you start tapping into fat burning, you produce ketones. So in terms of personalizing a ketone, a ketogenic diet, it's just so fun. So so we got very fortunate in a lot of these communities, like hearing about us and then just kind of going big on, on social media. And, and then I think that aside from social, the really a big driver of organic interest was through our blog and our content strategy. We invested heavily in putting up really high quality content about why a non-diabetic, otherwise healthy person should care about glucose, highly scientifically referenced articles written by many of our medical advisors, myself and others, athletes. And we actually saw an increase in organic search as a percentage of total visitors to our site from 5% to 30% over just a few months and search terms like glucose and healthy healthy glucose levels and levels. These, you know, we were way down in the rankings and went up to like three, four, or five for these search rankings within just a few months of putting out really high quality content. So Google like knew that there was something good there, you know, in in the sense that people were spending a lot of time on page and this and that. And we just started seeing a lot of inbound organic search traffic. So that was one of the most interesting things to me about the past year is learning so much about the SEO side and, and being the head of our content operation at Levels, just really seeing how that could be a marketing channel that is just so powerful.
2: Uh, what was your initial uh, social media and SEO strategy?
0: Yeah. So I would say upfront from the content perspective, our, you know, our North star to reverse the trend of metabolic dysfunction. And we understand that to do that, we have have to ha- people have to know why it matters and they have to care. So education was of paramount importance to us and it could not be fluff. We very early on, I sort of differentiated between what I would call a content marketing strategy and an, a really editorial, like journalistic science writing strategy. You know, content marketing being more putting out content that is really search engine optimized to drive traffic towards your site, which may have some good pearls in there and whatnot. But the focus I think really is to drive traffic and and optimize it versus I was just like, I put my money in the basket of like, let's just put out really high quality content that's not out there and like kind of see what happens. And actually a lot of this was from taking a few sort of like online courses I'd, I'd done about SEO and whatnot, but really actually this book that made a huge impression on me called They Ask, You Answer, which I would recommend to really like any startup founder. Cause I think these days, like if you're starting a company, like you have to figure out Google and like how to get people to your site organically. And a lot of that's going to come from content and there's no business that you can't write awesome content about. And so that book, like I would say it changed my life because it made me realize that like your customers have questions. If you answer them, they'll come to your site. Like it's not, it's not that, and you have to do it in a way that actually like adds value to their life. And in doing that, you not only increase, you know, your search ranking and organic traffic, but you build trust with your customer. And so So that was really influential to me
1: and was sort of the beginning of our SEO strategy. So I have a question about how you manage your relationship with four co-founders, how you all stay efficient and communicate. Do you have any secrets there?
0: Mm, Yeah, it's a great question. I I don't think there's one right answer to it, but I I can certainly share how we do it at levels. And this is very much driven by my CEO, Sam Korkos, who's really one of the most brilliant systems thinkers I've ever met in my whole life. And he you know, we have been a remote company since the beginning. So we were never intended to have an office. We always were remote. So when COVID hit, we were kind of just like ready to go. I mean, not literally not a single thing changed for our company, except that we became even more evangelical about glucose because we found out with COVID that metabolic dysfunction was one of the key predictors of mortality and morbidity in the disease. So it especially made us feel like we were on this, this the right mission. But in terms of communicating, we are very much a company focused on documentation and as much asynchronous work as we can do getting a bunch of people in a room without a lot of preparation for a meeting is very expensive and can often i think be kind of you know inefficient and so we are essentially if you have a thought you write it down and we like to favor long-form documents so really strategy documents that lay out how we're thinking about something you know pros and cons background research and then linking to other documents that are relevant so for instance, you know, this might be like a unit economics memo or a customer personas memo or a total addressable market memo or a company strategy memo or, you know, our product strategy. These are just like long documents. And then what happens is we actually send those to everyone on the team. Initially, it was just the co-founders. And everyone has basically like a week or so to, to just read it and comment on it thoroughly asynchronously in the document. So it ends up having comments just like all over it, lots of thoughts at the end. And then if we still need to have a meeting about it, we Will, but it's just there's so, so much more context for that meeting. And so that's really served us well. So long form documentation is just massive. And we actually hire very much now for people who are interested in in focusing on strategic thinking and on, on really like written thought as a way to communicate on, an, on a remote team. Basically, if it's not written down, we find that it often just gets it gets lost. We actually document every single one of our meeting notes. We use a program called Notion for that. So if you have a phone call, there's a there's a meeting note about it. That's been extremely helpful. All meeting notes have action items and then tags for anyone who would be relevant to. We, of course, use Slack, but that's mostly... We'd consider that really an open loop form of communication. We don't... That's not permanent. It's not our source of truth at the company. It's just a way to kind of communicate throughout the day. And then we... Yeah. So, so Notion, um, Slack... Of course, the, all the Google platforms are some of our main ones. And then everyone on the company uses Superhuman for email because it's, it's really just an efficient way to triage emails and, and projects. And there's a few, other, a few other key programs that we use, but those have been quite helpful for us.
2: I got to check out Superhuman and, and Notion. I, I'm a stickler about taking notes and making sure everything is documented and everything, everyone is on the same page because we're all moving so fast. So.
1: Mm-hmm. Well, Courtney, I will give you my feedback on Superhuman. I had my onboarding today that actually got cut short. There wasn't enough time to finish. They only scheduled a half hour. So when I'm fully onboarded next week, I'll give you my full review.
2: (laughs) Yeah, put it in writing.
1: (laughs) (laughs) You got to get Notion first.
2: (laughs) (laughs) I want to know, you know, how has this venture into, you know, running a startup been different from, I guess, being a medical doctor? And I know you had your own Mm. practice and having your own practice does... Does require you to put on your your business hat, but how is this experience different from from what you've done before?
0: Yeah, it's it is different in a, in a lot of ways. I do say though, and I really feel this to my core that I've never felt more like a doctor than I have working at levels. Even though I was seeing you know hundreds, if not thousands, of patients a year previously, I actually feel more like I'm stretching my my doctor muscles than I ever have in, and probably in somewhat different ways, you know, obviously I'm not operating, but, but I feel like I'm taking this, you know, decade of training that I had and I'm, I'm using what I've distilled from that. And the, not only the experiences and the conclusion and the judgments that I made while I was there, and also a overview of the systems problem that are limiting us from being healthy in our company and kind of like was able to distill that. And now I'm applying that every day into a product that I truly believe will actually be able to affect more people than I ever could as a physician. And it will also be able to help people proactively and to stay healthy and be empowered in their own health, as opposed to just reactively offering them a surgery or offering them a med- medication. So, so that's sort of, it's just a, it's just funny though. I, I thought it was like, Oh, am I going to miss the clinical practice? Am I going to and I, st- I still do see patients actually very part time. I, I do, yeah, because I love it, and I it just it's just so wonderful to work with people, and it it, it it both jobs inform each other so well. But but I just really love the the way that this is a way to apply medical training in and in a different and I think highly scalable way. I think one of the big practical differences is that in surgery and medicine, you really know what your priorities are each day. You have a list of patients that you're seeing. And then at the end of the day, like every single chart note needs to be signed, all the referrals and the prescriptions have to be sent. You have to do all your billing and then you, and then you're done. And it's very much like, you know, exactly what your success criteria are kind of for the day. And I think that's very different at a startup. It's just, you are wearing so many different hats. You are, you know, I'm a you know, SEO marketing person. I'm a content writer. I'm managing our advisory board. I'm, you know, on podcasts, I'm doing our, you know, product the clinical product development, just so many different things. And so I really do think there's a whole different level of prioritization. And so it does kind of, I think, require you to step back each, each day and week and say, you know, what, what at this company can really only I do, where can I add unique value and what, what can I do that is going to drive the business forward, as as usefully as possible this week and and really really focus on on that because there's just so much to do and and I think prioritization and thinking about leverage I think is really important in a way that that wasn't actually there in my in my day to day medical career. And a lot of the, the prioritization and figuring out how to leverage your skills, I think a lot of that comes down to actually saying no and having really good communication with, with colleagues. So figuring out what are the right things to focus on and then where do you actually just have to very clearly communicate that you're not able to, and then just making sure that your team is aligned with those, with those choices. That, that would be the main thing.
1: I know that you raised money for this venture. Can you share some of the tips for fundraising? Because a lot of our listeners are thinking about raising money, are are in the process of that right now and would love to hear some advice.
0: Yeah, well, we're we're still very early, so you know I'll, I'll I'll share what I can for sure. But we so we actually just closed our seed round a couple of days ago, and so we we just closed a twelve million dollar round led by A16Z, and we're so excited to partner with them, and just really excited to to use that money to drive the product forward and just build the most amazing customer experience that we can, scale our operational capacity, and also build out our clinical research efforts, with our academic partners. So we're very 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 excited about that. And I would say, you know, our CEO, Sam, really led the fundraising efforts. and, And I think he did it just really brilliantly. And I think a lot of it came down to having a ton of respect for you know his network and really leaning on the network to help us through the process. So I'll, I'll just give some some really sort of like practical things that I that I saw happen. So we had a network of about 70 or 80 angel investors who had been, you know, early funders of the company and we actually reach out to them all the time for advice and for feedback. We, I mentioned these long-form documents that we often write and share amongst the company. We actually share those all external. We're a radically transparent company about what we're doing, and we are really confident in how we're executing and aren't really worried about you know what other people hear or know as, as much as I think many other companies are. We really feel like like we're going to rise together, not only with other people in this area and other companies, but but just with, with our network. And so we would send many of our strategy documents to our angel investor network and just get extensive feedback on that type of stuff. So everything was just like very, very refined in terms of how we were thinking about things. By the time we went into the fundraise, there had been a lot of eyes on what we were doing. And there was pretty much an answer to every possible question any investor could have asked. So the way these meetings kind of went was you know we'd be connected with you know some type of investment firm and have some calls and they'd have a number of questions and we would really follow up with you know like 5 to 10 or more you know documents of how we're thinking through these these things and we got a lot of feedback that that was extremely helpful i think we showed up prepared we know how what we think about things and we've thought through really every angle of a lot of these issues and when we didn't we reached out to our network for help and for input so So it was an amazingly a team sport, this, this fundraise. And I just would, I just would, you know, ask people to consider that, you know, I think sometimes we think like, Oh, you know, like, Oh, we get an investor or the angel investor or something. And then we just kind of want them to stay out. We don't want them to, you know, meddle in our stuff, but I actually feel very, very differently about that. I think the more that we can, we can play as a big team, like the better that we're going to do. And so, that would be my biggest takeaway from, from the fundraise is respect your network and ask for help and totally be in like a growth, learn mindset every step of the way and, and write things down and share it with people. I think at the end of the day, the investors want to feel confident that you know, you, you know what you're doing. You've thought about it. You are mature and, and comprehensive. And so anything you can do to, to show up prepared in that way, I think is good.
1: That's such great advice. Up next the state of metabolic dysfunction in America and why we have to think of health as more of a spectrum. Casey, you have already accomplished so much in this business in such what seems like such a short time. What is the ultimate vision for Levels? So the north star of our com- company is
0: to eliminate preventable metabolic dysfunction in the United States. Right now, we have 88% of Americans in this country with some sign of metabolic dysfunction. Only 12% of people in the US are what we would consider perfectly metabolically healthy. And this was actually comes from a study that came out of University of North Carolina last year that that looked at a huge population of people and found that 88% of people have at least one biomarker of metabolic dysfunction, whether that's uh, their cholesterol, their glucose levels, or their waist to hip ratio. So that's just, to me, it's it's absolutely unacceptable. And it is almost entirely preventable. And we're just failing as a healthcare system in this regard. And I think that's fundamentally because we're not approaching the fact that these are diseases based in daily choices. And we don't actually approach these diseases in terms of helping people make better choices or actually changing their behavior. We're very, very reactive. I also think that it's a failing of the system that we the average person isn't thinking about their metabolic health until they get a diagnosis associated with metabolic disease so we've got to be thinking about health more as a spectrum and if we can get people to really start thinking about where they are on this spectrum and continuum of health and disease and realize that every single day they have the choice of where they want to move on that spectrum i think i think that's a win and then give them the tools to actually do it in a way that is that is very achievable so that's our ultimate goal is to make a massive dent in this in this in this epidemic. What I think a lot of people don't realize and what we're really pushing in our education is that this idea of blood sugar regulation and metabolic function, this is something that actually underlies so many of these other symptoms and diseases that are so common that many of us might be walking around with even now when we're otherwise healthy and not realize that it's so linked to our our glucose and our metabolism. And so You know, overtly, we know that diabetes and obesity are associated with metabolic health, but I don't think most people realize that Alzheimer's dementia and heart attacks and heart disease and fatty liver disease, chronic kidney disease, these are all things that are deeply rooted in in dysregulated glucose. In addition, some sort of really unusual things that people aren't aware of that fertility, the leading cause of fertility infertility in the United States, polycystic ovarian syndrome is a metabolic condition. And when we actually can control our blood sugar levels, the symptoms get radically better very quickly for many women with PCOS, erectile dysfunction, closely linked to blood sugar dysregulation, acne, depression, anxiety, chronic pain, chronic fatigue, all of these can be related to how the body is processing glucose. And it makes sense because if glucose is a primary form of energy in our body, when we're not regulating well, that can actually impact any cell in the body, any system in the body. We need these fundamental pathways of energy production to be efficient. And so it's not just fighting diabetes. It's not just fighting obesity. It's actually helping people reclaim a foundational pathway of health in the body so that all aspects of of our life and our current symptoms, our current wellness, and then our future health can be improved. And I just really think it's the lowest hanging fruit in terms of high value healthcare right now. And it's gotta be approached through a behavioral framework. So so that's where we see levels going and filling
2: that niche. Well, I will definitely be a customer. I love getting all sorts of tests. I've (laughs) probably done them all. So I'll definitely be signing up. I'd love to know more about how you manage running a startup and your personal life. How do you find time and balance for yourself?
0: Yeah, well, it's... uh, you know, it's, it's, it's a daily sort of dance, I would say. And no, no one, no two days look, look the same. What I know for me to be true is that I have to have the four pillars of health, of personal health to be strong for me to be a good leader. And that means that I have to have my food really on point. I have to get enough sleep for me personally. That's On my Fitbit or my devices, it means seven and a half hours of time asleep, which usually means I'm in bed for eight and a half hours. It means I need to be moving and exercise. So... I try and I try and sweat every day. That's my goal. You know, it's it doesn't necessarily happen every day, but like if I can at least break a sweat through some physical activity, I'm I'm happy. And then stress management. So just making sure that um, if I'm stressed, the first thing I do is breathe and make sure I'm doing that. And I just keep it simple. So it's not like an hour of meditation. It's not like I have to get a half hour of working out every day, but I I pretty much make sure all those things are are covered. And And, you know, I think the food and the sleep both do end up taking time, you know, you could say time away from, from the business. Like I will... Really, be ruthless about those things. I will not skimp um, or compromise on food because to me, it has such a direct relationship to how I show up as a teammate and a leader and a creative thinker and a systems thinker. I just can't do my job if my if my food is all over the place. And what I mean by that is that I want it to be stable in terms of the glucose. So if I'm swinging up and down with my glucose because I'm eating a bunch of processed snacks, like my mood is going to be up and down, my memory is going to be foggy, my cognitive performance is going to be off. I'm not going to be able to sleep as well. So that's just for me that's a, a non-negotiable. I focus a lot on fiber, trying to get 50 to 75 grams of fiber a day because for me, microbiome, you know, the, our, our gut microbiome, are what make the majority of the neurotransmitters in our body. So if they're not fed well, I'm not thinking well. Our gut microbiome is tightly linked to our mental health. And so I, it's just critical for me to make sure I'm getting fiber, which means not eating processed foods and, and really eating more whole foods, which means I'm actually spending time each day preparing food And then really focusing on omega-3s. That's another big one for me. Omega-3s are what make up our brain cell linings. And if we, omega-3s are sort of the healthy type of fat that we like to think about anti-inflammatory, but these things come in, you know, chia seeds, flax seeds, walnuts, and fatty fish. Whereas the omega-6s, which are not great for brain health and are pro-inflammatory, that's the stuff you're gonna see in like processed seed oils and eggs and chicken and beef that are poorly raised and, and things like that. So I'm just really focused on, fiber, omega-3, low glycemic, and then lots and lots of micronutrients from lots of vegetables. And to me, that is actually like 100% necessary to be a founder- Of a company, I I, to me it's it's intricately linked. I'm of course biased because my my medical practice is focused on food as medicine, so I think about I you know care a lot about this, but it's all going towards the same mission. So I see it as part of my job. Actually, are you taking on new
1: patients virtually? Because I want to work with you. I know. Can (laughs) you please
2: give us your uh, grocery store list? I think that's my biggest challenge because I want to do all the things that you're sharing, but then I go to the grocery store and I just freeze. Cause I don't even know where to start. So
0: yeah, one plug I have to put in, like, I think this has been really helpful for my patients, but there's a company called Daily Harvest and actually founded by an entrepreneurista. I don't know if she's been on the but Rachel Drury and they are, basically fill all the criteria that I just talked about. They're like, they have harvest bowls and they're frozen food that come in compostable containers and they're super filling and they have all the things I just talked about. And so for patients who are just like too busy to do any of this, or for me, when I am too busy to do this, I just am like daily harvest. I'll order a 26 pack. And sometimes I'll do that for like a week because I just don't have the time, but it's not compromising at all. And of course I'm like not supported by their company at all or anything. I just, <laughs> I, it's the only food company i found that is like, Organic and like truly meets all the the criteria that I, I think are really important to mental and physical health and it's all plant based which is cool.
1: Casey, what does being an entrepreneurista mean to
0: you? To me, being an entrepreneurista means having stepping back frequently throughout your throughout your life and and taking stock of what you're doing and how you're spending your time and really reflecting on what kind of impact you you want to have on the world. Really looking at the, looking at the world and saying, you know, what, what is interesting to me and what could be improved in the world? And how could something that's happening right now, sort of poorly and inefficiently be done better and be scaled? And how could I take my existing experiences and partner with other people to make that happen? And I think that's, that's really what it's all, that's how it all starts is, you know, finding the pain points in the world, figuring out how you can impact it, figuring out people who can help, you know, magnify you and your knowledge base and then and then make it happen. But I think a lot of it does come from creating the space in your life to step back and think bigger. And that means, to me, getting out of the hustle and bustle of how the world wants us to be living, you know, glued to our phones, glued to our email, moving so, so fast and really taking intentional time to step back. And even if you're not stepping back and actively reflecting, at least giving your time, your brain time for some of that processing I think that is the first step it's just hard to just like really jump into a project if you haven't had that space to really consolidate be creatively generative reflect and so so that's really what it's what it has meant to me and I think the foundation is where all the 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 good stuff comes from.
1: Well, I have learned so much from you in this conversation, and I am so glad you took the time to sit down and share your story and journey, not just with myself and Courtney, but our entire audience who I know is just craving so much of this information that you have just shared. So thank you so much for for sharing your story and journey. We can't wait to continue to follow you and follow Levels. Where can everyone find you on social, find the website, sign up for to be a user once it becomes available for everyone.
0: Yes, absolutely. Well, thank you so much for having me on. It is so great to chat with you Stephanie and Courtney and I am so grateful to be in the in the entrepreneurista community. Um, it's an, it's an amazing group of a group of women that you guys support. And and so to find us, you can come to www.levelshealth.com. You can sign up for the waitlist there and as we grow in scale, which we'll be doing rapidly because of our, our new, you know, um, closing our seed round, we'll be moving fast and we'll try and process people as quickly as we can from the waitlist. We anticipate a launch in Q1 of 2021, where people can kind of just come to the website and sign up and purchase the product. So stay tuned for that. To find more, if, you, if you're interested in finding out more about metabolic health and how this relates to you and your life, I'd check out the Levels blog, which is levelshealth.com slash blog. And you can follow us on Twitter and Instagram at levels, which is super fun to follow. Cause like all our beta customers are putting up experiments that they've done and what they've learned. And it's just, it's really awesome to see people's individual responses to food and activities. And then for me personally, I'm at Dr. Casey's kitchen on Instagram and Twitter, Dr. Casey's kitchen. And I put up a ton about plant-based nutrition and metabolic health and how to keep your glucose stable, even if you're eating all plants. So would love to hear from, from you guys.
1: Thank you, Casey so much. I'm Stephanie. And I'm Courtney. And this is the best business meeting we've ever had. You can connect with us at socialflyny.com and follow us on Instagram at Entreprenistas. Check out all our latest episodes at EntreprenistaPodcast.com. Thanks for listening.